Namaste, and welcome to the Forced Niyama. The Forced Niyama is a place where conversations on timeless teachings of Yogacharya Bikayas Ayengar unfold. In this podcast, we explore the vast subject of Ayengar Yoga with senior Ayengar Yoga teachers, who are direct disciples of Guruji. Here, they reflect on their yoga journeys, share their lifelong lessons, and recount moments of joy and growth when studying under the guidance of their guru, Bikayas Ayengar. My name is Katerina Fyadyuk, I'm an Ayengar Yoga student and the host of this podcast. I've been practicing Ayengar Yoga since 2018, and I feel very fortunate to have discovered this practice, and also incredibly grateful for all the benefits it has brought to all the aspects of my life. In today's episode of The Force Niyama, I'm happy and honored to welcome Siddharth Bangera. Siddharth has been practicing Nayengar Yoga since the age of nine. He formally started attending Guruji's classes in Mumbai in 1989. He is a third-generation student of BKS Ayengar. His grandfather started practicing with Guruji in the late 50s. Then his father, Jawahar Bangera, a senior Ayengar yoga teacher and a close disciple of BKS Ayengar, practiced with Guruji since the late 60s. Siddharth's natural humility and warmth, combined with his strict and demanding teaching approach, have formed a unique community of students around him. There is a certain family vibe and supportive atmosphere in his classes. Siddharth conducts regular classes at St. Joseph's School in Bandra, Mumbai, and organizes workshops for Ayengar Yoga students at the Bilur Ayengar Yoga Center. When the body is balanced on the left and the right side, brain is balanced. Yes, we have left brain and right brain. Brain is balanced. When the brain is balanced, mind is also. Mind comes to a neutral state. When you are in the neutral state, you can think about doing pranayama. Now that takes a lifetime to learn. Guruji has said, this, and this line has always stuck with me. He said, disciplined action is freedom. This line has stuck with me always. So because I, we live, when we, you live a disciplined life, then you don't have anything to bother you. Why is it important to preserve the subject of yoga in its pristine purity? Why doesn't Ayengar Yoga mass-produce teachers as some other schools do? What principles can a junior Ayengar Yoga teacher follow to build a sustainable and balanced life during the early stages of their teaching journey? Why is it important to serve humanity after addressing one's life first? And why is it crucial to be creative in your asana practice? When does one know they are ready for meditation and pranayama? These questions and more will be addressed in today's episode with Siddharth. Let me welcome Siddharth Bangera. Hello Siddharth. Let's start from the very beginning of your journey. How and when were you first introduced to Ayengar Yoga? Okay, it all uh, uh, started with my grandfather. I think the late 50s or maybe mid 60s mm-hmm. started uh, attending Guruji's class. Mm-hmm. Guruji used to travel from Pune to Mumbai every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, so there was a group of people who, you know, were doing his class in Mumbai. Now, I don't remember where in those days, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it so happened that my grandfather used to be badminton, mm-hmm. okay, badminton player. Mm-hmm. 
and he had this friend of his called uh, M.T. Tijoriwala. He was a lawyer. And uh, so he was his badminton partner. So they used to play and meet every week and you know play together. So Mr. Tijoriwala disappeared for a few weeks, and my grandfather was wondering, well, you know, where is my partner to play with? And then he comes back one day and he asks him, where have you been? He says, I've I've, I've been doing yoga for the last few weeks with this guru who comes from Pune. Why don't you also come? So my grandfather started attending Guruji's class and uh, my father started in 1969 when he was 18 years old. Because of your grandfather? Yes, because of my grandfather. In fact, uh, my father had three brothers, they all started, so four of them, four boys and my grandmother also started. But it's only my father that continued. Mm -hmm. My grandmother also continued, Mm -hmm. but my father stuck on. The first time I met Guruji, was uh, when we used to go to Pune for the functions. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very young then. The earliest I remember is when I was six. Wow. Uh, me- meeting him, mm-hmm. and uh, but my most fondest memories were going and sitting in the class when the adults were doing the class and Guruji was conducting the class, and just sitting and just watching, mm-hmm. you know, because I had a Saturday free from school. Mm-hmm. I used to travel with my grandparents. Uh, and we used to go, and my father used to come directly from office to Campion School mm-hmm. in town, South Bombay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember sitting in class, observing everyone, and just watching. I was too young to do at that time. And it was allowed to sit at the back of the class for the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. At that time, I was the only kid, <laughs> if I remember. Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, so Guruji, what was used to conduct the classes and. I would sit quietly. I wasn't. I was not a very naughty child. So I remember this very specifically. One day, uh, everyone was doing shirsasan, and my father was doing shirsasan. I was sitting close by to him, and then uh, Guruji walks by and looks at me and says, pointing at my father, saying that does he does he spank you? I said yes. <laughs> The moment I said yes, my father got one on his thigh. It was a correction. Uh-huh. But you know, to make me feel happy, yes. he gave him one little more harder <laughs> on his thigh. Revenge. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt really good at that time. <laughs> but you could see the the naughtiness in Guruji's eyes also. He knew that I would I would like it. He was like that. He was so uh, intuitive to, you know, he could bring, your, bring himself down to a child's... Uh, the way a child thinks and the way an adult thinks. Mm-hmm. So that is my earliest and fondest memory of uh, Guruji. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course, after class, everyone, you know, he was such a, a social person. He was like everyone's friend outside class. But in the class, he demanded strict discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, So in the class, mm-hmm. he was your guru and he was your master and he was your teacher. But once the class got over, he was everyone's friend. He was extremely, you know, sociable, joking. Jovial, and in those days, uh, every Saturday after the class got over, we would go to someone's house to have like tea and you know snacks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that was a good uh, sort of unwinding and getting together of all the students at that time. So it so, would be at Guruji's house, or no, no, no. Guruji would stay was in Pune, uh-huh. but he used to travel to Bombay, and uh, one of the students' house. Mm-hmm. They would invite all of us. Come on, let's go and mm-hmm. you know have some. 
refreshments. So uh, I remember it was um, Sam and Motiwala's house we used to go to quite often. Mm-hmm. Sam and Freni uh, Motiwala, they were all students also. So those were the early days. Then uh, I started attending the class when I was nine. In uh, I think it was April 1989. That's when I started my April or May when I had my first uh, my school vacation, summer vacation. Mm-hmm. That's when my father said, "Okay, now you, you know." In Mumbai. In Mumbai, yeah. In kids' class. Yeah. And who was your teacher? Uh, so Guruji used to take the... No, it wasn't the kids' class. It was Guruji's class. It was the adults' class. Wow. So there were a couple of other kids. Um, not many, just two, three. He used to take us separately. Mm-hmm. So the adults' class was going on and he would make us do some asanas uh, separately. Mm-hmm. This was at Piramal Hospital. Most of the times, he would, he would make us also attend the classes, with, uh, do the same asanas where the adults were doing. But do, when, when pranayama was taught, he would take us separately and make us do like challenging asanas. You know, he would, he would set up a challenge for us. Okay, you have to do 100 Urdhvadhanurasans. Mm-hmm. You have to do 100 Surya Namaskars. So keep us active. Yeah. Otherwise, he would take us in the regular uh, teaching along with the adults. So that's when I started. So once a week, that was my routine. Every Saturday afternoon, go and attend the class. I started doing the classes in Pune when I was uh, in my late teens. I had gone to, I used to go and attend the classes over there. Mm-hmm. Not very often, but I would go. Whenever I had uh, vacations or you know, a long weekend or some vacations that would come, <clears throat> I was able to go and attend the classes over there. But primarily I would say my weekly class in Bombay would be Always on. At the same time, I would attend my father's class in uh, Bombay and also the the Saturday class which was running. See, when Guruji stopped coming to Bombay, then it was senior teachers in Mumbai that started uh, continuing with that class. So, and that was primarily the reason why he stopped coming because he felt that... He he, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the teachers were ready mm-hmm. uh, and also... It, it was not an easy journey. Mm-hmm. You know, now, okay, you sit in the car and you're there in two and a half, three hours. Mm-hmm. In those days, Guruji used to travel by train. Mm-hmm. You know, he was picked up and he would be put up in a, in a rest house, uh, like a guest house. So, he had done it for a long time and there was not a day that he missed that class. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, my father will give you the exact how many years he did that class for, but it was at least good 30 years or so, he never missed a class. The only class I guess he missed was when uh, his wife Ramamani, she, she, when she was taken to hospital, when she was on her deathbed, that's when he uh, went back. He was in Mumbai, but when he got the news that she's on her last, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yes. uh, days, he, uh, he went back. So I think that Sunday he went back. Mm-hmm. But he was such a man of duty, you know, if it, he would, he would drop everything and for the students, he would just, it was his duty to come and take the class, regardless of what, whether it was rain or shine or, you know, mm-hmm. a, anything, respect. yeah, mm-hmm. selfless, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that really taught us a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that you could say, I started uh, then <laughs> one day, um, It was uh, Ina Dhani who 
one of the students, his students, uh, wanted me to take a children's class or a beginner's class. I was in 18 or something, 17, 18. Uh, and Guruji was in town for, he was receiving some official award. So he was down, he, went, he had all gone up and we were uh, in, a, in a restaurant or something that I had this big place. And Inadani took, took, caught me and took me to Guruji. And uh, he said, I, she told Guruji, I want him to start teaching. So Guruji asked me, what have you planned to do with your life? So honestly, I had no clue because I was just, I, I really didn't know what to do. So he, he probably saw my blank stare, you know, and he's, then he said, okay, why don't, you, why don't you take the class? And that's how I started the class at Home Villa. We had one center at uh, Pedro. So I, st I was taking a beginner's class, but it was a mixed class. So there were some teenagers, there were some children and there were old people also. It was a mixed class, beginners, every Saturday evening. That was in 2001, I think it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. 2001 I started. I used to take like a, uh, I, was, I would assist my teacher also called George was. I would assist him in taking the classes. So I was used to, you know, seeing how a class is conducted and uh, was had a little confidence as to to start. Mm -hmm. do, do you remember your very first class when you were just on your own, exposed to a group of students Strangers. looking at you? <laughs> uh, very vaguely. Mm. I know that it went all right because I don't remember anything. <laughs> I'm sure it went all right. <laughs> if, if it didn't go well, then I could have probably remembered something. But yeah, it was, it was, since it wasn't, you know, uh, very new because I used to take, take the class when George was there. So I knew how to conduct, mm -hmm. you know, and how to adjust and what to look for, etc. So I was very confident. I don't think I, I was nervous or anything like that, mm -hmm. taking my first class over there. Mm -hmm. And then... So that was once a week. Then in the meantime, my mother, you know, thought that why don't you look for something in Bandra also, since you, you know, you're not doing anything else. Why don't you start looking for a place in Bandra? And she helped me look around, and we finally got this Saint Joseph School. Mm -hmm. So then I started one class over there. My father also started a class over there in the morning. I would take in the evening, and we all started with two and three students. It it, it builds up slowly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like even Guruji never advertised for this class. It was all through word of mouth. So we in Mumbai also, we do not advertise our, uh, our classes. We don't want people, you know, uh, we don't seek to be teaching thousands and thousands of people. It's if, you know, if it's, if it's your time to come and discover an Iyengar teacher, It'll come. It'll happen. When the time is right, mm -hmm. uh, it happens. So that way, that way we have, we prevented it from being too commercial. Uh, I prefer it that way because then you know, when, when you hear about someone or something through word of mouth, from someone's personal experience, you take it more, you, can, you know, you can, you can believe it more. Mm -hmm. When somebody tells you something is good, if, for example, if your friend or a relative tells you that something is good, I've, I've been doing this and I've heard it, and I've, I've done it myself, this is my personal experience, then you believe them more. Rather than reading, seeing an ad on social media or on your, in your newspaper. So, I guess that word of mouth 
uh, aspect of Iyengar Yoga is uh, attracts the right kind of people. See, over the years, thousands and thousands have come. Thousands and thousands have gone. Mm-hmm. The only core group of that few hundred or so that stay and continue, that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. The thing is, in today's day and age, people, patience of people has changed. The lifestyle of people has become fast. And people expect, because of the commercialization of yoga, thinking that, you know, it's something to be done that it happens very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fast-paced life, they, have, they want everything to work fast quickly. Fast certification. Fast certification, fast mm-hmm. uh, treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, you anything in nowadays, today's day and age, people don't have the patience for. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the patience for the subject, then the subject also rejects you. The people think they leave the class, but it's actually the, or leave the subject. It's actually the subject that has left them. Mm-hmm. And they move on to something else. Mm-hmm. So it attracts a, diff- a kind of person. Yoga is meant for all, but at the correct time and place. Mm-hmm. If you are not willing to put in the time and effort, then maybe Iyengar Yoga is not for you. If you are expecting it to be sort of a exercise culture, body-centric activity. Yes, we, as a, for a new person, for a beginner, yes, it is body-centric. But little by little, you have to go beyond that. You just cannot be only thinking of body, body, body all the time. There has to be something more. Well, that actually leads me to my next question. Compared to other forms of yoga that people may have been exposed to, Iyengar Yoga stands out and is notable for its emphasis on body alignment, on um, sequences in which asanas are practiced. Some people in their ignorance may refer to it as furniture yoga because we use props. How would you define Iyengar yoga to a person who is not familiar with it and explain its true essence in a brief form in order to help that person make the right choice and get benefits from yoga for their physical and mental health? Okay, to a layman, someone who doesn't know anything about Iyengar Yoga, a few aspects of it are, like you mentioned, precision, which is alignment of the body. Alignment means not only of the physical body, of course to a beginner it might only be meaning your arms and legs have to be straight, spine has to be balanced, etc, etc. But that alignment aspect goes much deeper. See, when the alignment of the body is achieved, the energy flow in the body is even and that leads to a neutral state of mind. When the body is neutral, it also leads to a neutral and a balanced state of mind. So you work from the outside, moving within. Your gross body, your body which you can see and feel, is used as a tool to explore the finer layers finer aspects of the subject. So in a nutshell, that's what alignment leads to. Second is sequencing. Now Guruji in his 80 plus years of yoga practice realized that the sequencing of the asana is extremely important. 
because again we are working with energy how the energy flow is managed from in from one asana to the other that is all his experimentation and his wisdom which is why if you see even in light on yoga there is a 300 week course 300 weeks tell me which other course is 300 weeks everybody does 6 month course 5 month course 3 month course so, uh, 300 weeks is 6 uh, years 6 year course and that also it's only the the sequencing of the asana what he does what he doesn't imply what people don't understand from that sequencing is where does the mind come in into that sequence if you are only going to do okay tadasan then jump do trikonasan and only focus on the the posture side of it that means your 6 years have been wasted you not even figure out where does the mind come in in that sequence okay so anyway so sequencing is the second aspect third aspect is timing how long to stay in the asana for the effect to be felt that is also his research so for example 5 to 7 minutes 5 minutes to 7 minutes in shirasana 5 minutes to 7 minutes see that's when the effect is felt you cannot do be be doing shirasana for a shorter period of time if you if you want to experience the benefits of the asana so timing is also his research sequencing timing and alignment in a nutshell then another aspect is the props which came much later you see when my father started there were there were no props there were no props then the props were were invented by guruji after he suffered his accident where he hurt his spine maybe in the early 90s mm. so, so he that, had a scooter accident yeah yeah so the props were introduced so that he could also get into the asana to heal himself before that there were no there were no props mm-hmm. so he discovered the use of blocks the viparita randas and benches the story of how he discovered that yeah, the, the curvature shape is when he mm-hmm. saw a road roller road leg machine the one which flattens the tarmac mm-hmm. he went and lay down on that to see that curvature so how that affected the spine mm-hmm. so his his curiosity and his ingenuity helped him develop these things and as as someone who now uses the props and teaches also how the props have to be used that is also an art in itself to learn how to use the props in an intelligent manner for each and every different person is a is a skill which you have to acquire so these props are the third aspect yes people have made fun of him saying that he is a furniture yogi but then look at light on yoga not one prop is used then nobody says anything then mm-hmm. you see the props are developed not only for assisting in the asana but also to trigger the intelligence as to where the body needs to be functional see if if somebody is unable to do a certain pose because of limitations of the body does that mean that person should not experience so it's a humanitarian aspect to his grace you see he was compassionate enough to discover these things and share these things with the world so that people of any age sick people feeble people stiff people etc were able to experience the 
benefits of the asana to the problems. Okay. So you like for example, it's like you know you go to the hospital. Even the hospital bed is a prop. Your various things in your machines in the hospital are they props to keep you alive? So it's the same thing. So sometimes in our therapy class, these are the things. The heart bench also he invented for heart patients. So how to how to open the chest? How to access the heart from the back body, which no cardiologist even thinks of. So he was a heart surgeon. He knew the heart workings of the heart. How to open the heart? How to activate the heart? How to de calcify the heart? He discovered these things. Intrinsic knowledge which he had of the physical physiological body was tremendous. He didn't need to see medical reports or etc. He would just look at the person, see how they're standing, see the, how they're walking, and he would give the diagnosis. Even Gita Ji, she was also the same. All she, she all she had to do was just look at the person, how they were sitting or standing or walking, and she knew. They also they then also another uh, thing we learned from our gurus is to look at the eyes of the person. because the eyes tell a lot if a person is different depressed the eyes will be different mm-hmm. when they are in pain the eyes will be different so how to diagnose these things were you know revealed to us how how to adjust how to help these people so that everyone can benefit if he was after you know material things he would have patented these props which he never did since uh, you were exposed to ayanger yoga from such a young age Would you say that it has shaped you and made you a person you are today? See, it's a little difficult to to explain because I started as a child. For me, it was just fun and games. Okay, you you go once a week, you do the class, you do these difficult asanas where the adults cannot do. You know, the, you like to show off a little bit here and there. So for me, it was. It 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 really didn't. Uh, I did not understand what the core aspect of yoga is for for the longest time, because I was doing it and I didn't have any diseases to take care of, so I would just do it, you know. So you could say in a way I was a little skeptical about what why all these adults are doing it, you know. I never understood it. So for the longest time, I just did it mechanically. It's when I grew older, and you know, as when the body starts to age, I see. I like to ride motorcycles, and certain accidents happen, and you know, that's when you realize. That's when I realized the power of the asanas, how the asanas could help me heal myself. So until that time, I was very skeptical about it. You could say. You know, I I I am such a person that I have to experience it by myself for me to fully believe it. So I I am guilty of not believing in it in 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 the early days. But when I started to get mature and age, and when these you could say uh, accidents happened in my life, that's when I realized, okay, now let me see what I can do. How how can yoga? How can Iyengar? How can Guruji's? Gift to us, help me, and that's when my belief and faith in the subject and my own guru became even stronger. You see, until then I was, I was all right. I was happy. I was happy-go-lucky. I was, you know, no, no, no tension, no stress in life. 
but as the as you grow old and you know the weight of the world starts to you know your responsibilities become more and more that's when you that's when i realized that this subject really bestows you with the with that inner strength resilience to face the good times and the bad times equally so for example i gave you the example of you know injuries in for example motorcycle uh so how to heal myself how to and that self injury which happened even uh, over the years now i am 43 so every few years i don't want to jinx it but every few years something happens to me where i have injured myself whether it be helping in class or in my own practice i have done something <laughs> to my own self <laughs> that i have to now try and figure out how to fix so <laughs> as a teacher i sort of look at it as a challenge so i i don't really ask my own teachers as to how what do i do okay so i try and figure it out myself as much as i can i try and figure out figure it out myself and that's what enables me to help others you didn't even ask your father in 30 years i've asked him only once that was my recent recent most recent injury where i tore my meniscus of my knee that's the most recent one which i only one in 30 years i've asked him only once so he told me something to do and that happened <laughs> so that injury uh, injuries which uh, you know which we go through which are a part of life sort of help me understand and delve deeper into the workings of the body and how to use the props to give the relief and that's when that you know that whole guruji's philosophy of that alignment that makes sense you see it's very easy to say okay align your arm align your leg but if there's nothing wrong with you you don't know how to how to precisely align it mm-hmm. but when there is something wrong with you then you will realize the why he, he said align the body so that the uh, the joints etc function and move and flow in that in 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 their uniformly that uniformity is important mm-hmm. in the body see for us when we just look at arms and legs we don't we don't delve into the intricacies of it if it looks straight it looks it is straight for us it is like that we trust our eyes more than the sense of touch of the skin so these injuries taught me how to observe the skin flesh muscle ligaments and tendons and how to adjust from them so that now cannot be taught it has to be experienced so in a way i count myself lucky that i've gone through these things because my ability and my knowledge has increased because of that see a lot of people would say oh god this has happened now i'm finished i it's happened to me even uh, some teachers in our own community you know something happens to them and they think is the end of the world they are not going to uh, be able to get out of this but you know this is the test this is your test this is your exam mm-hmm. how would you as a how teacher would, yes how will you help yourself then okay. what gives you the right the right to teach somebody else if you cannot fix your own problems mm-hmm. so in in our system this is <laughs> this is a something which you have to go through and as my father says dogs and ayengar yoga teachers or maybe it's a quote from guruji if i'm not mistaken dogs and ayengar yoga teachers have to lick their own wounds 
You know what that means? You know, dogs when they are injured, they lick yes, their own wound. They heal themselves. Yes. So dogs and anger yoga teachers have to learn to lick their own wounds. Not to say that if something's wrong with you, don't seek professional help. I'm not saying don't do that. Of course, you have to. Yeah, keep sometimes yes. If you have to go to a, you have to go to a doctor sometimes. You require the help of an of an expert. But first, try to do on your own. If you're okay, you're not then able. If you're stuck, okay, consult your teacher. Then, if your teacher says okay, now probably you require some professional help, medical help. Yes, I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying. Try and explore, try and discover these things for yourself. So, would you say that this quality of examining, seeking, experimenting, healing yourself is a key quality for a great Iyengar yoga teacher? Or any teacher. I am not saying Iyengar yoga teacher specifically. Any teacher. See, we have a strong Guru Shishya parampara. That means a Guru and student relationship. That should be very strong, mm-hmm. and you have to listen to what your guru says, and uh, follow without question. You know, because I think that's one thing that's lacking in a lot of the other yoga systems nowadays. And even in our modern life, we have lost a lot of our old traditions. See, traditionally. There was no concept of taking a yoga class. It was one to one or one to two, one to three uh, guru and a few students. That's it. No, no concept of doing classes for hundreds and hundreds of people. So that connection with of the student with the teacher is not strong enough. So you should be, you should have that tradition now. Uh, see, I, I can, I see my lineage. I can trace my lineage from my father to Guruji, to Gitaji, Prashanji, and then from Guruji to T. Krishnamachar. So we have a lineage of teachers that have given us this wisdom. So I think that is important to carry forward. The teachings of our Guru should be preserved as as purely uh, in its pure form for as long as possible. Uh, so another aspect of Anger, a yoga teacher is, like I said, one is the lineage. I can only speak for teachers in India. I don't have any experience with teachers, Iyengar teachers, how what they go through abroad. Uh, see, f- for a teacher to become, for an, a student to become a teacher, he needs the permission of his teacher, mm-hmm. because we don't have a formal course uh, for for teacher training. How you have abroad. So it takes a minimum ten to twelve years for a student to become a teacher, or for the student to be given permission to teach in India. In, India. Yeah. in Europe, it usually yeah, Europe is a different uh, this because they made it more formal, mm-hmm. and the, the tradition of guru teacher, guru and student is not there. So anybody can become if they put in the time and effort and the money, you can become. But here we have a different tradition. It is that personal tradition. Because the guru sees what overall what kind of a person you are, what is your personality, how you react in certain situations, how are you with the students. Mm-hmm. So your morality and ethicality should be there as a as a person, as a human being. 
considering that so every, everybody who wants to become an ayanga teacher does not really become an ayanga teacher you have to be chosen by your guru so so we have a strong tradition of that and because that strong tradition is there we will not do anything to bring uh, or or damage the name of our teachers mm-hmm. you know no the name of our teachers should not get tainted so that i think is a very strong aspect of being a teacher in this country mm-hmm. so whatever you do you are doing uh, you are teaching trying to give the the knowledge in the purest form mm-hmm. you know trying not to change too much you know these award winning wines mm-hmm. are they made are they mass produced or are they made in small batches mm-hmm. because the quality can be controlled mm-hmm. it is the same thing with this you you can't mass produce uh, teachers in a particular form if you want to preserve the quality mm-hmm. okay which is why also we we are very strict with who we pick up to train because if you are if you are just going to be like a production factory of making teachers out is not is never going to have the same quality mm-hmm. see i anybody can teach yoga mm-hmm. anybody can teach yoga it's become that case nowadays if you are a little flexible person you have a decent looking body you have a pretty face you can <laughs> you can become a yoga teacher it's happened to my own some of my people who have come to me only have become teachers like that mm-hmm. okay so it's not easy it's not difficult to be a teacher yoga teacher today yo why lies prashant ji says why o g a a yoga yoga teacher it's very easy to become but we are not looking for that see we don't want to make yoga teachers we want to make yoga teachers so you have to you know as i told mentioned earlier there has to be some effort and time put in into into that so people are not willing to put in that much who's going to tomorrow if we if we have an ayangar yoga teacher tra- uh, teacher certification mm-hmm. okay and we say 10 years you have to do who's willing to give 10 years of their life yeah, only those who have a very strong commitment commitment is it not so out of the 1000 people maybe 10 mm-hmm. or even 5 will say okay yeah. but again we are but then then i tell you even after you put 10 years there's no guarantee you will get a you will be a teacher then how many are going to come yeah, you understand is. now so that is the way so we are, so uh, even the institute is not concerned with mass producing thousands and thousands of teachers yoga is already popular you don't have to popularize it anymore anybody anybody maybe even in antarctica or uh, eskimos will know what yoga is not today they know what yoga is so we don't have to make it more popular what we need to do, we need to get is to preserve the purity of the subject because it has become so commercial do you understand yes so you are yes. either you are either in today's day and age you are either too much to the physicality of it or then it is marketed for complete opposite end which is mental uh, piece of it mm-hmm. what about the stages in between mm-hmm. what about the stages between asana and dhyana yeah. who's going to tackle all that mm-hmm. there are eight stages you know that mm-hmm. okay yama niyama asana pranayama pratyahara dhyana dharana dhyana and samadhi you 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 want to jump directly from asana to dhyana mm-hmm. what about this other stages 
in between. Who's going to tackle those? There is no cause for that. So, because it's so commercial now, they are they have chosen the two opposite ends and sort of neglected the middle portion. So, knowing that, I mean, the context of the area of mass production of yoga teachers, what would you recommend to an, a younger yoga student who aspires to become one day a yoga teacher, as well as to a junior a younger yoga teacher who's just starting this path? to build balance in their lives so they could thrive, they could find a financial stability and serve their students and humanity. Serving humanity is a very big concept. First, learn to serve yourself. Then think about serving everybody else. I'm speaking for, I can speak for only my experience. See, we, none of us started teaching because we wanted to make money. We started teaching because we were told to teach, we were given permission to teach and because we believe in spreading through word of mouth, it takes time. So money was, money comes if you are sort of focused on only making money then you will uh, take shortcuts. Because you'll be only looking to get more and more students. So many times I've refused people from attending class. Because they are they have unrealistic goals. Some of them have unrealistic goals. And I and I've over with my with years of experience, I sort of know that you know this person is not ready for what is what is going to be taught in class. They are either one of two. One is that I want to learn meditation. Second is I want to learn pranayama. Mm -hmm. I've already done my uh, asana training, I want to do pranayama. Mm -hmm. That is the most common ones. And then of, on the more vanity scale of things, I want to lose weight. That is the third one. So again, losing weight is a side effect of, 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 of doing the asanas. Yes, it can be done. But what you do outside the class, who, who's to know? In the class, I know what you're doing. But if you're after class, if you're going to go and eat, uh, overeat or do something, thinking that, you know, because I've burned so many calories in class, I need to reward myself. So then it just, it's a, it's a cycle. So I don't normally, uh, so I tell them, you rather go to the gym and do a cardio workout you will get better results there because I don't have the patience for that because they only want to come to class to sweat you know and there is uh, other forms of yogas where you, where you can sweat and lose your weight Iyengar yoga is not for that because these people are not interested in the spiritual aspect secondly pranayama the, the, the practice of pranayama starts in the asana when you are able to sustain the asana which is again where timing comes in. Why, why he said certain asanas have to be held for a certain amount of time is because once you have gone for the body adjustment, body alignment, then you bring your attention to your breath and breathing. Mm -hmm. So where the breath needs to move, how it needs to move, where it needs to move, what can be done with the breath, certain actions can be done with the breath. So your training of your pranayama starts from the asana. Mm -hmm. See, and you have to also understand the hierarchy of it. Yeah. 
so long duration of asana practice will lead you to a as understanding broad understanding of pranayama then yes the different techniques of pranayama can be taught and learned so for example on a gross example mm-hmm. your gomukhasan is difficult on one side yes mm-hmm. this one yes, huh? mm-hmm. is not the same on the other side so that's a duality of the body mm-hmm. once you are with the intelligent practice once you have eliminated the that duality when all the subtle duality for example your knee one leg will bend better than the other leg mm-hmm. one hip will move better than the other hip your spine might be slightly deviated etc etc so there are many differences in the left and the right side of the body asanas reveal these differences to you and they are also the cure for it when you apply your intelligence your buddhi and eliminate those differences in the physical body then it leads to a balanced state of mind when the body is balanced on the left and the right side brain is balanced yes we have left brain and right brain brain is balanced when the brain is balanced mind is also mind comes to a neutral state when you are in the neutral state you can think about doing pranayama now that takes a lifetime to learn how are, how are you going to eliminate the imbalances of the body it takes a long time it is not going to happen like that so that's why patanjali says after a long duration of asana practice when the dualities of the body have been eliminated the sadhaka is qualified for pranayama he does not say 6 months 1 year 10 years 5 years 50 years he said when the dualities are eliminated now that could be this life or next life you have to be patient so again how they have commercialized asana now people think that just by breathing in certain techniques they are doing pranayama we are not doing pranayama actually even we are not doing pranayama we are teaching pranayama but we are not actually doing pranayama mm-hmm. only our gurus were able to do pranayama because they were able to extract the prana from the breath prana is an aspect of your atmospheric breath energy that is there in the atmosphere now guruji could withdraw that particle of prana from the breath now who is going to teach us that then so again we have to explore it so we are basically as prashant ji says we are doing swashayam which is breath work no doubt there are many benefits to that also but actually classical pranayam only guru ji could do you understand so again how are we going to package this into a uh, into a course and sell it you cannot do it so techniques can be learned but the actual flavor of pranayama is you have to be blessed to by a guru or god to experience that so come come just come back to this to the long to the question, question yes. <laughs> how your uh, what how, how to build this balance for how? a young a younger yogi so like i said don't think about making it commercial if you if you are doing your duty if you are an ethical moral person then the students will come mm-hmm. yes you do your duty if you've been given the permission to teach you teach and do your duty don't expect to make millions and millions and millions learn to just be happy with what you have 
That's where the concept of Yama and Niyama come. Aparigraha. Non-holding. Yes. So don't keep thinking that you want more and more and more. Learn to be satisfied with what you have. And if you are diligent in the way you do, ethically, morally, then the people will come. You are bound to be successful. You are bound to be successful. But again, there is no time limit to it. You see, people want to make a quick buck today. It's not going to happen like that. And even if it happens, you can see the downfall. There are so many, without naming people, so many people who are famous, yoga gurus, how quick was their downfall? Because they went after only money. Money and power. There are many examples. They might have started with good intentions. But then they get drawn towards that material aspect, bhoga. They get drawn towards the bhoga. And when you get entangled to that, that is your downfall. So you have to be, you have to follow the principles of Yama and Niyama, which are hard, but you have to be dedicated to that. And then with God's blessings, the, the, the things, they naturally happen. You don't have to want it. It comes. Yeah. I'm telling you from my experience also. Did you yourself face these challenges in the early stages of your teaching journey when you were trying to figure out how to make things work for yourself, how to make ends meet and how to bring a certain balance to your life. I left my father's house when I was 21 and I started living alone. Mm -hmm. And at that time I had a very, very few students. I was, I was thankfully, uh, I was making just enough to pay the school rent mm -hmm. of the hall where I teach and the rent of the house which I was living at and I get one or two meals a day. Mm -hmm. I was satisfied with that. Santosha. Yes, honestly, I'm telling you, <laughs> at that point, that was my goal. That Anna, am I able to survive on my own? Mm -hmm. Forget about going out, meeting friends, traveling. Forget about that. At least, I, am I able to do that? Mm -hmm. And that my my drive was so strong to not deviate from what my guru has given me. Kept me at it. So there were days that even. I, I could not, you know, uh, I, see, I, I, I had a very simple life. I never used to live vicariously or anything. But just that was satisfying for me. Mm -hmm. But the uh, my, my driving force was to do my duty of teaching the subject of yoga. Or I'm not, I'm not, I'm not say, even saying subject of yoga. Teaching just the aspect of asana to the people who came to me. So that, I was very, very diligent in that. Mm -hmm. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, to ensure that my guru's name is not spoiled. So that was the driving force for me. So that kept me on the path. And then little by little, with guru's blessings, God's blessings, and I am satisfied. I don't have any, uh, you know, lofty wants or anything. Mm -hmm. It comes. I know. Mm -hmm. If if I am honest and if I am ethical and moral, things will happen. It happens. Trust me, it happens. Yeah. You can't force these things. You have to just keep your head down and work. Guruji has said this, and this line has always stuck with me. He said, "Disciplined action is freedom." This line has stuck with me always. 
So because I'm, we live, when we, you live a disciplined life, then you don't have anything to bother you. No you see, your mind is also at peace. There's no place for anxiety. Correct. Some sort of strong foundation should be there. You have a big responsibility here. If you are going to be teaching people, you are in charge of their health, physical health and also mental health. If you are not physically and mentally strong, then you should not be thinking of helping mankind. You first learn to help yourself. Then take on the responsibility because, you know, even teaching one person is a huge responsibility because you are, they have put their faith in you. The student has put the faith in you. You should not be playing around with that. So you should be very, very sure of your own abilities. You have to be strong in your in your practice. Only then you can you will be able to help. That's why I, I, I think it's very funny that people, you know, nowadays think it's very easy. Oh, I want to do it for humanity. Oh, I want to change, do this for society. First fix place. your own life. Mm-hmm. You be satisfied and well balanced in your own life. Huh? Then you start to, think, start to think about helping others. Your foundation has to be strong. What does your daily asana practice look like and how do you balance it with teaching classes? See, two essential asanas which need to be done on a regular basis are inversions. Your shirsasana sarvangasana. Because they promote, again Guruji's words, emotional stability. Emotional stability, mental stability. So inversions are very, very important. Regardless whether you are tired, you can do it, support it. Now see again, beauty of the props. If you are tired, and you, you cannot do Shirsasana for a long duration. If you are tired, you cannot do Sarvangasana for a long duration. So if you are physically exhausted, how the chair comes into, into play, for example. So, if you are asking me what needs to be done, these two asanas should be done together as far as possible. My As far as my personal practice comes it goes with the sequencing of the class. So, as you know, we do standing asanas the first week, uh, inversions the second week, third week is uh, backbends, fourth week is pranayama. So, broadly, I try and make my practice also in that manner. Mm-hmm. Of course, it will it'll be there will be permutation combinations of many others. But if you are a beginner in or if you haven't practiced before or you are starting your own personal practice, mm-hmm. stick to these four broad guidelines. Mm-hmm. So, okay, first week you can you can focus a little more on uh, standing asanas. Mm-hmm. So, that is a, like a broad framework. Within that, there are billions of permutation combinations of which asana can be done after which, mm-hmm. which you have to explore. Mm-hmm. So, there is no fixed kind of routine which I follow. Mm-hmm. It just comes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I also understand what my body wants to do. So you have to be very close to that sensation. What the body feels like doing. Yes, yeah. yeah, sometimes I, I have a dream of doing something. I wake up with I wake up from a dream and I know what I want to do. Sometimes different usage of props come to me in dreams. So I dream about these things also. Wow, this is how <laughs> so very interesting. See I've never done Vrishikasan. Mm-hmm. I was never I never able to do Vrishikasan even as a child. Where you know Vrishikasana, yeah, the scorpion pose, where the feet are on the back of your head. You know, I've never done that, never experienced it in my whole life. Okay? But in my dream, I've experienced it. Because in the dream, I I remember the sensation 
of the foot touching the back of my head when I have never felt it in reality. <laughs> so in the dream, it's happened to me, you know. <laughs> so you can think of it. Yeah, in, in my dreams, I can do all the asanas. <laughs> so it, instinctively, it comes. It comes. So uh, for me, it's it's for it's ever fresh for me. I don't get see in, again. Lot of teachers nowadays tell me, you know, I have reached a plateau in my days, in my practice. I don't know what to do. I feel so dull. I don't know what to do next. For it's never been a problem for me. For me, every day is a different practice, different thing to discover. Again, that self practice should be very strong. Learn to be creative. Don't be and don't be scared of doing something wrong. Even if it goes wrong, so what? But learn to explore like that. Mm-hmm. See that that's one thing with with me that I've never been bound down by you know limitations because Guruji never told us oh don't do this or don't do this don't do this after this. For for the teachers he's never said that he said that he's always given us free reign to do anything and everything. Explore it. The more you explore, the more you insight you will get, mm-hmm. and you will know, the body starts to guide you in that particular direction. So there is no uh, limitation. You know, so some people are only so rigid that they'll only, they'll only do a fixed number of asanas in a particular sequence. That is so boring. Mm-hmm. How can you just do the same thing over and over the every day without any variation? So that just shows the mind is also so narrow mm-hmm. and rigid. Mm-hmm. Your body is connected to your mind. Am I right? Yeah. When the when the body expands, the mind also expands. New possible new possibilities, new thoughts happen. So you have to explore in the body. Mm-hmm. So so many aspects have been taught to us by gurus, Prashantji and Gita ji included. How the body when the body is in a particular asana, let the breath flow in those regions. Let the mind flow in those regions. Let the intelligence flow in those regions. Let the breath take different shapes. See, this is how you keep it fresh. So you will never feel that dullness. Mm-hmm. So you have to be creative. It, it is, and yoga is a creative subject. If you want to become be a teacher, you have to be creative. You can't be so rigid that no, I will only do this sequence today. This, I have this Impossible. From my teacher. Impossible. You will never be able to do it. Or you will get stuck. Mm-hmm. So then, this uh, guidance uh, that we find in light on yoga, they are to be experienced and combined. Like you, you have to have a sensibility and also awareness of exactly. your own body to exactly. Mm-hmm. You can't be so rigid that okay, you only done that sequence and not explored anything else. Mm-hmm. That book was written by Guruji okay. in sixty six. It was published first. For those who don't have access to a good teacher, so he said the book is a good book is better than a bad teacher. So that book is for people who don't have access to a good teacher. Mm-hmm. That is something they are able to at least learn from. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a guide. Today, if we had to write light on yoga, it would be it would be completely different. It would not be the same book. There is this yoga bible, hmm. light on yoga. Yeah. But then later in his uh, years, Guruji used to say that Trikonasana done in it's light wrong. yoga, it's wrong. Yes, it's wrong. It. Yes, because he, he was evolving. Mm-hmm. Even Pashva Shirsasan, mm-hmm. you see what light on yoga is. It is not straight pose, it is mm-hmm. curved. 
Bashwa Shirsasan. So should there be a, a new volume of uh, like yeah, should, yes, that by it, senior no. teachers? <laughs> <laughs> but but that, you see that was this you know, you see is humility also. You know anybody even even the biggest author or biggest artist in the world will never say you know what I did in those days or that painting of mine was wrong or you know I didn't, I didn't do it correctly or something they will never admit to that but see how humble he was he said no that 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 trikonasan that Pashwa Shirsasan is wrong that is the greatness of the man to admit that he was wrong at that point but then you saw the beautiful trikonasan he evolved from that till his uh, 70s 80s I yes. saw the difference. Uh, yes, you saw the, the difference. And I, I would I would say anybody who's listening to this what mm-hmm. this recording, mm-hmm. try the old Shirsasan and try the new Shirs. Uh, sorry. Try the old uh, Trikonasan, light on yoga Trikonasan mm-hmm. and do the new Trikonasan. Mm-hmm. And you will know the difference. Why he evolved it. Because I used to watch him carefully. I used to try and copy the way he's doing. Mm-hmm. I never read the instructions, do this, do this. No. Mm-hmm. I would try and do the way he in the book, all the books, I should try and copy the way he's doing. Mm-hmm. So I am very visual. Mm-hmm. I don't like reading a lot. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I saw in his body, I would try and copy. Mm-hmm. So try and put yourself in his place, in his body, and you try and do Trikonasan the old way and the new way. Mm-hmm. You will see a tremendous difference. Mm-hmm. Then you will understand the how the intelligence flows. You want me to give you a clue? The old and new? Yes. <laughs> observe the spine in the old Trikonasan and observe the spine in the new Trikonasan. In the old Trikonasan, the spine is not parallel. New Trikonasan, spine is parallel. Mm-hmm. And spine is parallel because of the uh, equal extension of the sides of the Correct. Body. Because the distance is more. Mm. So that's the reason why your father says <laughs> yes. increase the distance yes. of the that is the reason. See, even the way Guruji taught my father was telling, mentioning this the other day. Is that when he came to Bombay on, on a Saturday and Sunday, the students would practice that same sequence throughout the whole week. Mm-hmm. And then the next Saturday when he came, he would give a new instruction. Mm-hmm. For that but the same asana, mm-hmm. but new instruction. Sometimes the instruction would be opposite to what he's already given. But then the user that was that that was last week. This is today. So we don't do what we did last no. week. We follow the instructions yes. today. But see, he was th- he his mind was thinking quick. We were we were so rigid in the <laughs> in our thinking. Mm-hmm. So that was his evolution. He he taught us how to be creative. Then we understood mm-hmm. how to be creative in the asana. Mm-hmm. So and you have to be creative in your practice also. Mm-hmm. So you can't be so rigid that you know you are only. Okay, right leg out, okay. These are the basics. After that, what do you do? Right leg out, left leg in. Take the right hand down with the exhalation. What do you do after that? Finish. Asanas are finished and come up and do on the other side. That's what, what most ha- of the people that, that's what I, <laughs> See, that's why they get stuck. Yeah. They get stuck. They don't know what to do once they have achieved the asana. Mm. And in today's day and age of Instagram and your social media, you want your asana to look good. What is happening within... Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So that's the sad part about it. You know, I think he's the only one who used that word intelligence translated from uh, Sanskrit buddhi. Mm-hmm. The buddhi has a discriminative power. Mm-hmm. The buddhi tells you right and wrong. Mm-hmm. 
buddhi ha- has a discriminative intelligence which should come into your practice mm-hmm. to know what I, am i doing what am i doing is right or wrong correct or incorrect good or bad mm-hmm. that way that discriminative discriminative intelligence will guide you in the other aspects of your life mm-hmm. how you deal with people how you deal with your job what job you do mm-hmm. whether you are you are being guided by those principles of yama niyama mm-hmm. ethicality morality so that discriminative intelligence is learned through the body in the asana mm-hmm. see he took us from the physical plane he ex- made us experience from as from the body mm-hmm. all the way up through the stages of yoga he was able to do that because people only think oh keeping our eyes closed keeping our mouth closed is dhyana he was doing dhyana in shirasan also mm-hmm. he was doing dhyana in adhomukashvanasan also for 20 minutes half an hour how how was he staying mm-hmm. was he staying by physical strength no he was completely absorbed in the pose mm-hmm. time did not the body had completely dissolved for him mm-hmm. he was only experiencing the soul that's why he could stay but people thought oh he is only doing to you know they only saw the physical break the world record oh, what is the use of thing people nowadays do one one hour shirasan to break world records don't you don't think guruji did hundreds of times shirasan for one one hour where was the people then to see mm-hmm. he did it he didn't do it for promoting himself for him shirasan was part of life I would like to hear a few more words and suggestions from you on the daily practice. How do you plan it? Um, how many hours a day you practice? At what time of the day? And suppose, in case you travel, how do you adjust your daily practice so it serves its purpose and you get maximum benefit from it? So, because of my schedule, mm-hmm. my practice time is around nine or ten mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. and it goes on till maybe 12 mm-hmm. 11 30 12 depending on what my schedule so is 2 3 hours yeah no no i want to say 3 hours with 2 hours or less mm-hmm. that's that's the time which i have every day every day no weekend no, no day off no unless i'm traveling and i'm out of the country then is difficult so if i feel my spine is dull i lie down from the bed do do vipritha dandasana or chair sarvangasana if i have like a decent chair and a pillow to recover or virasana if i have been walking a lot the whole day sit in virasana to release the legs mm-hmm. supta virasana yeah. even sarvangasana works for relieving the legs mm-hmm. so instinctively the body tells me mm-hmm. i don't have to stick to a rigid see this is why sadly and it's been really bothering me lately is uh students who have been practicing with me for a long long time when they get certain issues they don't want to explore themselves they only want to ask me okay so this is paining what do i do and i'd give them okay do this 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 but even when they do it they are unable to uh to yeah to that sensitivity is not there so they are unable to get that relief of course when they come to class then they are relieved when i make them do the same sequence because i know how to adjust it adjust them but when they are doing on their own they are completely blank you know so it's like as if they have been coming and they have just been been instructed to do it and they are doing it there is no thought in it which i'm finding very uh, disheartening at the moment so what do you think is lacking self practice 
they think just coming twice a week to class they will be fixed but you have to practice on your own. in in the class you you learn yeah and at home you, you should be doing yes you should be doing mm-hmm. if not everything at least whatever you remember do so what would be your message to those students who are trying to build the momentum in their practice but lack the commitment for it do something doesn't have to be uh, something even that is not taught in the class previously mm-hmm. instinctively try and do something mm-hmm. if you have a specific problem you can ask your teacher okay if i have a certain problem for example with the neck okay then we say don't do shirasan on your own at home maybe you will not be able to do it correctly so avoid those mm-hmm. but everything else you can you can do you can ask mm-hmm. so certain things are you are supposed to do think think of it as a doctor's prescription when you when you are sick or you have any issue the doctor gives you okay at this time take this pill this time take this pill same thing like for asana think think of it as a prescription i have to do it every day at this time so that way a little bit you know some evolution will be there yeah. and patience so patience and persistence yeah that comes on its own the will power will come the discipline will come it will come then then the day when you don't practice you will feel something is wrong Yeah, you you know what I mean. So the day when you don't are unable to do it, you don't feel comfortable. You feel lacking, or you know something is missing. So that should be the condition. Mentally, you don't feel, you know, stable or calm or whatever. Uh, I was wondering about your tattoo, of course. Mm. Yes. Can you can you just share some story? So. <laughs> when did you do it? What this again? You? This I did this out of my love for my guru. Mm-hmm. Most iconic asana of his, Natarajan asana, and I showed it to him also. I was a little shy when I when I showed it to him, <laughs> but I showed it to him. He's like, yes, that is my sign. I said, yes, Guruji, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, he was very. Uh, what, uh, his mind was much more evolved and very very uh, current. you know he wasn't stuck in the old ways mm-hmm. he was evolving with the times mm-hmm. you know people think just because he was 90 years old he was very a uh, rigid old man no mm-hmm. he was very very evolved mm-hmm. and very welcoming of new ideas and everything mm-hmm. so this for him was him just was just like a you know now i don't i don't like my i wish my yeah, father was right? more little more strict with me mm-hmm. but i got this when i was very young mm-hmm. but uh, the sensitive sensitivity of the skin goes because of that needle mm-hmm. you know i feel that now that time i didn't realize it mm-hmm. but now i feel you know when i'm doing the asanas that where the ink is there the sensitivity is less so that needle which enters it 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 can damage some it puts the nerves under stress mm-hmm. that's what the pain is na mm-hmm. the pain of your tattoo is the nerves yeah, under yeah. stress mm-hmm. so that kind of gives uh, i feel it now little bit of sensitive uh, uh, dullness yeah. in those areas the sharpness is there everywhere else mm-hmm. but here where the upper arm is there is some have to be a little more careful as well mm-hmm. he was able his sensitivity was so sharp that he was able to feel all of the body at the same time see we are not able to feel all of the body at the same time and we are only feel able to feel the see discomfort is where our mind goes to 
or the sensitivity goes to when something pricks you your everything is over there mm-hmm. your attention goes to that part mm-hmm. so those are the conditions of the body that we are we all have that wherever there is discomfort our, our intelligence will be aware of that but in his case it was spreading equally and evenly all around mm-hmm. he, he would also say that uh, above the layer of skin you could he could feel that heat of his body mm-hmm. you know his he was that sensitive at the cellular level mm-hmm. again because of long duration of practice mm-hmm. that energy was flowing within him mm-hmm. do you yourself feel that you are more able to access different blank areas of your body and of your skin compared to five years ten uh, years back that happens with with practice it happens with also staying in the asana for a longer duration because the, you have to give yourself that that much time for the intelligence to be aware of everything for the awareness to flow mm-hmm. in all the parts of the body hence why the technical in ayanga yoga so many explanations are given for what to make you aware of that part you understand right from the sole of the foot to the crown of the head there is there are explanations of each and every part it is to build the intelligence and the awareness of that area so that technicality also is because is for this mm-hmm. is not just to align uh, yeah uh, alignment is a by product yes but not just to show that oh you know i am so technical i know so much my knowledge is so much why because i can state so many points in one asana mm-hmm. that is that should not be the idea of it the idea of having so many explanations and instructions is to bring your intelligence to that particular part to bring it to a whole see from the parts you have to make the whole yes body has to be integrated into one but how our intelligence works is wherever there is when we are aware of one thing on the right side we forget the left side for example so trikonasan you you do on your right leg you are aware of your like right leg you don't know what your left heel is doing so the, the teacher says okay bring the press your outer left heel down more then what happens to the to the body you have to realize that mm-hmm. so the asanas when done on left and right side build the balance in the left and the right brain mm-hmm. they strengthen the nerve connections from the brain to the all the regions of the opposite side of the body mm-hmm. so that cross connection which we have left brain to right side right brain to left side that creates the balance in the brain mm-hmm. nerves when that balance is experienced tatvodhva condition is experienced neutrality is experienced then the mind also becomes stable neutral then it is prepared for the higher stages if you are emotional state mentally traumatized dull hyper etc those are not appropriate conditions of pranayama you have to come neutral neutrality neutrality which lot of people are not understanding nowadays and the thing for becoming neutral you have to do pranayama or for becoming neutral you have to do meditation doesn't happen like that it goes into it can get it can result in neurological psychological problems mm-hmm. if you are already in a depressed condition you want to do your meditation and all it only brings you more down into that condition why because your mind keeps going replaying what has happened in the past of course i have seen such cases that's why tell the students from time to time like please be aware of this these things are not meant to be played around with they are not 
meant to be done by anybody and everybody. You see, Guruji never taught us meditation. He made us experience meditative state in the asana. Now, whether you could hang on to that meditative state for a short duration or a long duration, depended on your practice. But he made us experience that. For example, Ardhahalasana, observe what happens to the senses in half halasana mm-hmm. or full halasana. Mm-hmm. How the brain becomes passive, how the eyes, the sense of senses of perception become quiet, they withdraw inside. So that, that stillness and quietness gives you a glimpse of what it means to be in a meditative state. So through the body, he taught us that. Mm-hmm. He never said, close the eyes, you know, sit straight and uh, and now keep your mind blank. No. Those people who think that is the condition, mind is going all over the place. So in the asana, the mind becomes passive, mm-hmm. neutral. Mm-hmm. That is what he experienced. And he's the only person who, through his his self-study is Swadhyaya experienced what Patanjali has written in the Yoga Sutras. So that was his guide. So what Patanjali has written in all the four Padas, he was experiencing. Mm-hmm. That was his kind of, his guidebook. Not his team. His Guru never really taught him too much. Just a few things here and there. Mm-hmm. He never formally taught Guruji. T. Krishnamachar never taught him. The, the Patanjali Yoga Sutras taught him, he, he, he practiced and corroborated his experience with the book. So Guruji had also said that T. Uh, Krishnamachar never taught him pranayama either. So one day he managed to just through a slight opening of the door, T. Krishnamachar was practicing pranayama on his, on his own. And Guruji just went and saw what he is doing. And he just saw how the fingers are placed on his nostril. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then he started studying on his own. Mm-hmm. Why he did this? Mm-hmm. And what came through that? And that's how he discovered the secrets. There, there had to be such a high sense of uh, yeah. diligence. Diligence, uh, blessings, commitment. Uh, previous karmas. That also plays a big role. Mm-hmm. What your life, what you are living in this life, what is going to happen in this life depends on your karmas of your past life and what you've done in the past. So if you are suffering now, it is a result of previous karmas which you have to go through. Life is suffering. So these, these sciences are given, arts are given to deal with that. So even I have a belief in that. So whatever I has happened to me is a is a uh, result of my uh, actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing I want to mention for people who are, uh, as you said earlier on, mm-hmm. who are new in the subject or new to the Iyengar Yoga system, is read a lot of the books. I was about that, to ask this question. When is the good time to start reading Patanjali Yoga whenever, whenever the time is. Whether you understand it or not, like me, even I never understood the books, the Patanjali Yoga Sutras initially. When I, the first, maybe three times I read it, I just read it from cover to cover. But little by little, you start to understand. It starts to get absorbed. 
So the first couple of times I just wanted to complete the book. <laughs> so whether I understood or not, <laughs> I just, I just, yes, I just wanted to complete the book. So the first couple of times was that, but then I, uh, then I started going sutra by sutra, little bit aspects of it, not even understanding the whole thing, just a little bit of. See, philosophy is something which you have to be <laughs> uh, lucky enough to understand. See, some people are able to understand it very easily. I am not one of those. So for me, it has to be really, really broken down into, you know, concepts have to be broken down. So thankfully, uh, Guruji, Gitaji, Prashanji, have written so many books that will take you a lifetime just to read it. Forget understanding it, just reading it. Another thing I want to mention is, the official Iyengar Yoga YouTube channel mm-hmm. in which Prashanji has a lot of lectures lectures meaning he is right now he is not even finished he is on he is around 204th episode is on okay. on his education series not the Yoga Sutra series his education in, in yoga mm-hmm. classical yoga which he mentions so huge resource now I mean I wish I had this 10-15 years ago Thankfully, it is there now. So, there is so much information out there which you can, you know, go through. Again, he is not, he doesn't care if he gets millions of views on his videos. Uh, How they say now every YouTube video, like, like, subscribe and uh, give a thumbs up. He doesn't care about that. (laughs) He is doing his duty in in giving the information. Mm -hmm. Now, whether you, whether people want to watch it or not, that's up to them. So, he has got a gift of that he is able to speak so much on the subject. See, you and me cannot talk on the subject of yoga. Not even for 30 seconds, we will be blank. <laughs> he has got the gift, he has got the experience. He, he can talk. So he is now, he's, he's, he's trying to, this is like an archive, which is going to stay for another 100,000 years. Think of it that way. Instead of writing it down, he is also putting it on video. Now. So it's a brilliant resource for those who want to start their education in the subject. Mm-hmm. The time will come. Yes, the time will come. 10 million uh, Yeah, that is In a thousand years, it might be 10 million. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, but it's, uh, it's, it's really priceless. Like the, the subjects that he covers, yes. I haven't seen them all because, yes, you have to, you know, sit and watch. You could not just put it so what I as do, a background noise. No, or no, no, what I do is, I, I play, I, I, when I'm practicing, I play it. So the audio is on while I am practicing. So I also, I am not able to pay attention to the entire lecture, mm-hmm. but I will get portions of it, which I understand. Mm-hmm. But it is going on. It, it will be absorbed slowly. I, f- I find his voice very calming yeah. <laughs> during, during my practice session. <laughs> Put in, your, in a meditative mode. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's how I listen to it. Mm-hmm. See, we have been blessed with this knowledge in, from our culture. So it needs to be spread. It needs to be, it, I shouldn't say spread, it should not die down. Uh, let, me, let me change the way I am mentioning it. So the, the knowledge and the wisdom that has come through the thousands and thousands of years, we should try and preserve, we should try and live and experience it and not allow it to be diluted and commercialized and uh, changed in any way. So as 
far as possible we should hold on to the purity of it mm-hmm. that's my message if you want me to call it that mm-hmm. see do i think it is going to be pure forever no there, there will always be some change but we have to make our best effort to hold on to that to the original uh, form of it mm-hmm. it is going to change there is no doubt about mm-hmm. it once once guruji is not there and once geeta ji also passed away now eventually even prashant ji sometime or the other he is going to move on after they 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 have gone then we it's our job to now try and understand first how what they what the message was and then try and you know from propagate it And spread it to whoever wants to learn in as pure of a form as possible. Mm-hmm. Will there be? Will it be? Will be hundred percent original? No, but it might be ninety nine percent, ninety eight percent, ninety percent, etc. But that should be our uh, aspiration. Aspiration or goal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the reason for this recording. <laughs> <laughs> Since it could not be changed. Yes, it might be misinterpreted because we all. comprehend information yeah, through our own filters of course, uh, of course. but at least the message see the good thing is that the our scriptures will never change mm. patanjali yoga sutras are never going to change they are perfect in the way they are the vedas are never going to change mm. the upanishads are never going to change they are written and they are perfect in the way they were written it's how we interpret those teachings those scriptures that which we know now the way guruji has interpreted it how he is in, how guruji's interpretation of the subject of yoga mm-hmm. that i am saying we should be trying to preserve somebody else might have a different interpretation which is rightfully theirs their opinion is their opinion guruji's opinion was his was his own his understanding of the subject of yoga was his own so we need to preserve his under, his way of understanding for as long as possible so that's the that's what i believe in see not everybody realizes that yoga is not a religious uh, although it might it has come from the sanatan dharma patanjali has never said it's meant to be done only by hindus he said it is meant for anyone and everyone for all of humanity which means all religions and i'm grateful that all people of all religions are practicing yoga now mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah it's not dependent yeah it's not i i see it very rarely maybe in some very conservative um, mm. since i'm coming from europe and it's yes. a very conservative correct very uh, conservative uh, yes. communities or yes. countries that it is still interpreted as the religion yes um, but uh, i don't blame them also yeah. it's the is the information that is out there See, when you recite Om, it's it's thought of being a Hindu symbol. Mm-hmm. Now we cannot change that it has come from the Hinduism or Sanatan Dharma. Mm-hmm. That cannot be changed. Yoga was has has been has come from our from this religion, mm-hmm. but it is not said that only Hindus or whoever practices practices yoga is only is a Hindu. Mm-hmm. Sanatan Dharma is meant was uh, the most liberal. you know form of uh, religion mm-hmm. before in the old days yeah universal mm-hmm. so it is the people that have 
made the demarcation, not the sages. Well, anyways, it can be done. I mean, it's not uh, <laughs> even if your invocation is not started. Like how Guruji used to take it. In your heart, you know what you need to be, what needs to be done. You don't have to chant it out also. You can chant mentally. Instead of orally, chant the invocation mentally. Okay, we seemed to cover all the questions. Just the last one that uh, I have on my mind. Which qualities, in your opinion, are essential for a good yoga student? Willingness to learn. Um, discipline. Be, be a student of the subject of yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be categorized into being Iyengar student or Ashtanga student or this student or that student. Be a student of the subject first. Mm-hmm. Your teacher will be whoever, whoever and whoever. And that, that's what I would say. Yeah. Study the scriptures, listen to the, the information that is out there. That way you will not, you know, get caught up in the whole modernization, the uh, modern, how they say, modern yoga, concept of yoga, mm-hmm. which is only body, body, body all the time. Mm-hmm. So it is yeah, the physicality of it. So try and explore the other aspects of it also. That will take you for longer way. That will take you a longer way. It is something which needs to be studied over your life. It's not like a course system which you know you done you are done with this and then you sort of move on to the the next stage. It is integrated and it is uh, evolving. So in a different part of your life, a different aspect of the subject will come to help. You understand? So for example, when you're younger, okay, when you're in your twenties and thirties, maybe okay, only body is the main thing. Sure, go for it. Then. Once you mature a little bit, also get into the, which is what I am telling from my this. Even when I was, uh, before 30, I was never interested in the philosophy of the subject. Because frankly, I found it very advanced for myself. Mm. So I was, so I said, I am um, just going to focus on the physicality of it. Then on its own, it happened. On its own, little by little, I started to realize the, the depth. So it happened. It's okay if you don't understand the Yoga Sutras. <laughs> it's really okay, but it'll come one day where it'll happen. It'll it's make an sense. important message to pass yeah. <laughs> to, the, to the practitioners. See, if you are not inclined to philosophy, you can't force yourself to understand it. That means you are not mature enough. The intelligence is not there. Little by little it comes when you mature. Now that may be at 30, 40, 50 or 60, who's to know? That's why I also say, no, it, I mean, we all like to do, think our asanas are as good as BKS, Iyengar. It's never going to happen. Honestly, if you study the way he, his asanas were, and he himself has said, microscopically study the pictures on light on your You see how the skin is there, how the skin has worked. When we do, the skin does not move in that the way his skin is. So, if you want to do like BKS, Iyengar, it will never going to happen. So, your, your expectation should be realistic. Because he he practiced what he preached. Yeah. He's the only one who practiced what he preached. We we all claim to do so, but we have many shortcomings. Mm-hmm. But he lived yoga. Mm-hmm. 
he didn't practice yoga he lived it the big difference between practicing yoga and living yoga yes there is so much depth in it for us to learn and to practice this has been a true pleasure and i'm really grateful for the opportunity to speak with siddharth thank you for tuning in may you find abundant support in your practice through this podcast and may it be an inspiration for you in your own study and discovery of self see you in the next episode